I took some pride in not fulfilling my potential, in part because I was terrified that if I tried my hardest, the world would learn that I didn't actually have that much potential. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review. I'm Jacob Shamansky with Ramya Amuthan. Ramya, that quote you just heard was from John Green from the Anthropocene Reviewed, which is an essay collection that I brought up a couple episodes ago. I mm-hmm. put it out as a recommendation. If you don't know John Green, he's the author of The Fault in Our Stars, which was really huge back in the day. But he came out with this essay collection that I loved because it always, all his essays are about very innocuous things like computer keyboards and Dr. Pepper and like paintballs and NASCAR but he always turns it back to like the human condition like what makes us us and like how to enjoy life and how we interpret us being here on earth well this quote was deep though what was this from the Dr. Pepper I (laughs) I don't remember from which exact essay it's from okay but I like this quote because it's about our fears of trying because sometimes when you want to try something, or there's comfort in not putting in the effort yep. because you, you can't fail if you don't try. Yeah. Although not trying in itself is a failure. But you have to be comfortable with, not fa- with failing because you learn by failing, right? Exactly. And I think, too, there's that element specifically from this quote about mm, self-doubt, self-belief, uh, or lack of self-belief and just faking it so you people don't have to know so not necessarily being vulnerable enough to try uh there's a lot of defensiveness that we put up all the time every day in so many contexts so that we don't have to deal with being vulnerable aka trying aka failing do you ever judge someone for trying and failing Maybe a little bit, but does that really mm. affect the other person? Mm. It, it shouldn't, right? Like right? I know it's easier said than done to not care what people think about you, but failing is what makes you develop as a person. Mm. And sometimes you, your potential that you see in yourself can be daunting, right? Like you see what you could be and it, it kind of scares you because it looks like a mountain you need to climb. But of the course, truth is yeah. you need to climb it like one step at a time. And this is where I really do go back to role models slash, you know, how people think of this concept of failure to begin with. I think a lot of that is ingrained in us with how we were raised or how we saw failure for a really long time growing up. You know, so it unconsciously the things that we uh, the values that we carry and saying, no, I can't fail. That comes from a long time of feeling that way. One of the main things you see in our our role models is they've put in huge amounts of effort. Exactly. And they've they've failed a lot before they became successful. And it's something to to emulate, but that's potential for you. But you know what else has really good potential? Uh The conversation we're about to have. (laughs) Because we're not done. We're not done. Um, On today's episode... Listening to an audiobook as opposed to reading an imprint is obviously a different experience. It's not better or worse. It's just different. But how exactly does it differ? And how does that change the way that we appreciate what we're reading? Yeah, we're not done talking it's about gonna this. going to be sorry. good. Not Part sorry. Part one was so one-sided. Like, we need to continue on We need this. to chill a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Okay, but after the break, Ted Cooper is with us, and we're going to be putting him through the rapid fire review feels like it's been way too long yeah it has um 
well, on our end, we want rapid fire review all the time, right? So yeah, definitely. Mm. <laughs> it's uh, easy for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you want to hear what's on the CELA homepage? I sure do. All right. So these are the three titles that are up there right now. If you visit celalibrary.ca, that's where you get the catalog of CELA books available to you. And the three titles up there are The Fury by Alex Michaelids. And that is a suspense and thrillers. We also have Unbroken by Angela Sterrett, Indigenous People in Canada, and Biographies for this category. And the last one up there is The Beasting by Paul Murray. And this is uh, literary fiction for you. It's also Thank a series. You. Mm-hmm. So last week when we talked about this, uh, I I kind of took the devil's advocate approach. And like I wanted to hear out the haters, if you will. Um, maybe that kind of Boy, did we hear from the haters, though. Out. It, yeah, we, we sure did. But like maybe that made me look like a bit of a pessimist when it came to audiobooks. And like I have to be honest here, like because I'm blind and I can exclusively access audiobooks, like that's all all I can access. It's kind of weird to be defeatist in that way. Mm. I don't want to be that way because the truth is I love audiobooks and everything they they stand for, and just the experience of audiobooks. Like even if I regain my vision, I would definitely keep listening to audiobooks. It's the way to go for me. Right. And and that's a fair point to actually just say out loud because a lot of the times um, it's a bit of an outdated point of view now because a lot of sighted people and people without print print disabilities are just regularly consuming audiobooks, if not exclusively uh, consuming audiobooks. But, But it is something, like I said, to acknowledge that two of us who exclusively listen to audiobooks i don't read braille or print uh and neither do you jacob we still just appreciate audiobooks for what they are beyond the only accessible format for us to uh consume books and i think that for example i'll just say in my own life i have the ability to go get an ebook and just use the um screen reader to read a book that way but i right not ideal do that no and i do not think it's ideal especially for pleasure reading but even for uh, informative content i prefer to sit back with an audiobook so and active listen that way although then there comes the question of like access when it comes to informative reading yeah i think like textbooks and like very niche informative books that tell you about i don't know the migratory patterns of seals or whatever like (laughs) i guarantee you like nobody's reading an audiobook for that type of book and they could there's just no market for it but yeah exactly and it gets complicated right like with graphics and visuals and Mm -hmm. stats and math numbers charts Mm -hmm. yeah but i'd like to to celebrate audiobooks a little bit sure um here's what's unique about audiobooks as opposed to reading it in print that I I really see as a benefit. We're subject to the narrator's subtle editorial decisions. Like the the first one that comes to mind obviously is character voices and that can be a joy to listen to. It really creates the separation and I, I remember reading print and sometimes the different dialogue, like dialogues could be sometimes a little hard to follow, especially if the dialogue tags were unclear, where sometimes you weren't sure who was talking. But if it's really well done, like these character voices make a dialogue so vibrant. Um, yeah, and you're talking single narration, right? 
like solo single narration, narration yes. yeah yes. yeah exactly i think people are brilliant mm. in the sense that you know we don't even necessarily think about these things as we're reading but when you leave a book and the way that it sits with you because of the performance that the narrator has given us so uh well done and especially like you said the di- differentiation between characters or moods even i'd say or internal monologue versus dialogue or just internal versus external situations and being able to bring us in and out of that um sometimes i think too you know nowadays jacob like where people are writing more uh, chapters based on different point of views right so a yeah. character mm-hmm. will do one chapter and then you flip over to another and sometimes it's even more than two characters giving you points of views and you still perhaps only have one narrator doing all that uh some of these narrators do a brilliant job just giving us that experience and not confusing and i think it's important to recognize that the authors have a huge part to do with books that are written in multiple points of views Mm -hmm. to make them like understandable there's different character voice which is like the words on the page have character themselves where just based on the words you could tell which what point of view it yeah. is and like it, it's it's always a collaboration between the narrator and the author another thing that's kind of unique to audiobooks is how the narrators can place importance on certain passages and and add a certain level of like blaseness to other passages where it's just like more um they're just going through their business reading through a passage that's more um just like like giving out information mm-hmm. but if there's a really emotionally charged moment while well, the narrator is not going to be like crying while they're reading there's going to be more gravitas to their words because they're slowing it down mm. and putting more emphasis on the words that really like put a dagger in your heart whereas um, sometimes in action sequences they can speed up and make it more frantic right and those are editorial decisions because it takes an author that really understands the book to see what is meaningful and what isn't and if an author is just kind of tuned out uh, sorry if a narrator is just kind of tuned out and just reading the book word for word sometimes those important passages can just kind of be blasted by without any yep. kind of particular emphasis and I've, I've seen that before. Sometimes, like, you'll hear a reader casually read through a section that's, like, hugely important to the plot. And you're like, hmm, I wonder if they understood what they were right. reading there. Or you've zoned out because they've zoned out. Or You know what I mean? Like, it's monotonous. Um, yes. And that performance then, like, we can't digest it the way that it was intended to be digested uh, writing-wise. Because the performance didn't necessarily give it to us. And I see a lot of this kind of content on TikTok now of, well, at least in my feed, about like public speaking and performance and presentation and things like that. And I think that, you know, it's so interesting to talk about this from a narration, an audiobook narration point of view. Because, yeah, you got to, your reader um, is in your hands that way. Right. Like your performance is making such a, an impact on the reader this way, like your performance, your ability to take the text and put it into this third dimension. Um, I think like 
a lot of narrators, because we talk to Sarah Hillis, who come from theater backgrounds, stage backgrounds, they understand the idea and uh, largeness of performance, but then they have to hone it into a microphone to a reader, like a listener who's you know listening somewhere else, not in real time, not live in front yeah, of you. Yeah, a listener that's providing no exactly. feedback. It's you not do, a live you audience. You just have to assume that they understand. Yes. It's not a live yeah. audience. Yeah, that's tough. And, and those two things, yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, those those two things that I just mentioned have a big impact on our understanding of the mm-hmm. text. If especially if you're not extricating the narrator from the words, like if you really like put value on the narrator's performance, a narrator's performance can really like derail a book. Absolutely. If it's bad. Yep, but more often than not, it's good. Exactly, and overperformance as well. I think is a, a not as big of an element, but can be for criticism. Right, and this kind of plays into my next point here. Um, acting decisions in dialogue when tone cues aren't present. So, for example, sometimes there's like dialogue scenes, and it's just snappy back and forth. Yeah, and there's going to be lines where if you're reading print, you kind of have to interpret the tone if they're being angry or sarcastic or more Uh matter of fact where as if you're listening to audio the narrator needs to make a decision as to like how a certain response from a character will be said out loud like for example if a character says like why would you do it that way you could if there's sometimes there are no tone cues and it can be more of a like a disappointed to like why would you do it that way Mm. or it can be more of a question you know there's so many little decisions and you'll notice it more now that i've pointed it out but there's so few tone cues in in books that's when you consider how much dialogue there is true and sometimes the author will put in an exclamation there's a word for this for grammatically but i can't remember what it is but you know what i mean they'll say he yelled or he whispered, or he said hmm. blankly, like whatever, fill in the blank blankly. <laughs> like things that are kind of stage direction. Yeah. Right? And or, sometimes it's not direct, sometimes it's kind of implied. Yeah. Like maybe two or three sentences before, it'll be like, oh, the fury built up inside him. Exactly. And then this, exactly. so you can kind of tell that he was probably angry. Right. But even if the, even if the tone, the, the tone cue is the fury built up inside him, once the line comes out, is the fury still inside him or is it right. externalized? Yeah. Right? There's a decision to be made there. There is. And <laughs> also, I find, maybe this is personal preference, but I find, you know, don't give us so much, right? Like, it, when you're reading visually, mm-hmm. if the author gives us a lot of direction as to how the, the, the emotion is supposed to be portrayed, I think that is helpful. But honestly, in terms of just writing uh, and then that being translated to an audiobook, you don't want to hear so many of these adverbs and so many of these directions of how uh, this stuff is supposed to be said because it is being said out loud to us the story is being told to us which is a very different experience than reading it in your head and following with your eyes and saying okay yeah this is what it's supposed to be read out as listeners pick up on subtlety very easily i think that was what julia whalen told us and Mm -hmm. she's an awesome narrator and she understands that you don't need to go all out for the listeners to understand what's going yeah. on because we've been listening to people talking 
since we were born. Like we pick up on the subtleties. And like when I say subtleties, I mean subtle with an I like italic capitalized letters. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of detail in how we talk. Exactly. Um, What else is unique to audiobooks that you want to mention? This might come off like a negative, but I really think it's a positive in a sense. We can't easily rewind or fast forward. Like, yes, we can, but it's obviously not as easy as just like with your eyes just looking back two or three sentences Mm. and skimming, right? That means we need to pay attention, but when it comes to like fast-forwarding, I don't think that's something audiobook listeners do very often. At least I've never heard of anyone doing that, but readers say they skim books all the time. All the time. When you get to a boring section, they're just like, yeah, yada, yada, yeah. flip a few pages, boring, oh, what's going on here? And then just pick up from there. Yeah. But you're going to miss so much inf- so much information. Like, you don't know for sure if what you're skimming is important, if you missed an important piece of detail. Well, like you know what I akin it to? I, I compare this to us zoning out. When listening to audiobooks, a hundred percent, it's exactly parallel. Yeah, to and that. you come it's back and you're like, thing. I didn't miss much here. Eh, it's at one point oh speed, well, anyways. Th- like I can't digest this; it's too <laughs> slow. There's a difference between actively skimming, like just l- you're actively looking to skip spots, and then like zoning yeah. out as a print reader, right? Because that happens to print readers too. Yes, they they'll their eyes are going to follow the lines, but. The last like two paragraphs would be like, uh, I didn't absorb fair, any of that. But I actively zone out sometimes. Like sometimes, oh, I do right? too. Right? Yeah, do like too. oh, this is a large description of this space. I don't really care. And then you know, it, it happens a lot actually at the beginning of books when I'm waiting for that moment to draw me in, to to make me feel invested in the book, and I'm like, like this is not important. That's not important. Who is this character anyways? We don't know if she's important. And then yeah, I I gotta wait till I feel. Like, this book is worthwhile, and I'm doing a lot of active skipping. Oh, that's so true. The, the start of books could often be a bit of a chore for it's that. It's a chore. Because you're not, you're not sucked in yet. That's why the start of a book is so yep. important for authors to get right. Yep. So important. Exactly. Um, and then the other thing is, for us to skip forward is actually literally skipping forward. Like, we're not actually fast-forwarding the way you hear, you know, the... the um, cassette reels go right like you're skipping 15 <laughs> yeah. 30 45 1 minute increments and well 15 30 45 seconds or 1 minute increments which means you're actually skipping context and then you have to rewind and then you have to forward and like honestly I'm way too lazy for any of that yeah and it's annoying to have to reach out to those buttons all the time because yeah. often your phone isn't even on you exactly. because <laughs> We multitask a lot when we're listening to audiobooks, yeah. right? Like, I can speak for myself. I love the multitasking aspect of mm. audiobooks. Listen, I'm not, like, doing math and research when I'm listening to an audiobook. Sure. Like, it'll be multitasking, but something that's brain dead. And I think it makes me understand it better than if I were to just sit still and listen. Yeah. I think if, we're, if I were to just sit still and listen, I'd fall asleep because I'm not I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. But thank God right? for sleep timers, though. Uh, my favorite way to listen to an audiobook is in the morning with a coffee cup. Oh, that is proper active constantly listening. Constantly Yo, I don't put it down either. <laughs> just like chug oh. it. It's the best. It's the best way to listen <laughs> to an audiobook. I like Very being active. in um, vehicles and listening to audiobooks. I love being in trains or buses or planes. Oh. Like absolutely. The train or the plane? The Best yes. time to listen yes. to an audiobook. If I know that Easily. there's like a four-hour ride coming up, I will settle in completely. Much more likely to do that than at home. 
So we've had this conversation for almost like three episodes in a row now. And I think we need to draw some conclusions from this. Do you, Does anything come to mind for you? Like, I feel like all we've done is muddy the water. Uh, what are we trying to say? What here? are we trying to say? I'm thinking that we still need to have another discussion where we really compare because both of us, like we're, we're only giving one side of the spectrum regardless of how you feel about it because we don't have an active comparison between visual reading and audiobook reading in our, or listening in our own personal lives. So I think mm. that we need to legitimately talk to someone who, uh, you know, skips back and forth like whisper sync right which is skipping back and forth between audiobook listening and reading and and really talk mm. about cognitively how that affects them or uh, attention span focus etc cetera, etc cetera. or a braille user someone who flips back and forth often between um reading braille and listening to audiobooks and or and, both or both yes that'd be great honestly if you got a straight up audiobook hater to come on that'd be great huh an audiobook hater plus a braille Whoa. reader I don't know if I, I can handle that. it, that but yeah. Great. I think the... <laughs> <laughs> I don't those, care if you can handle it. Some of those people wrote the articles from last <laughs> week. Yeah, get those audiobook haters Oh yeah, on. we'll reach out. I'll reach out. Don't you dare. Okay. <laughs> oh my lord. Yeah, no, this, those don't seem like good people, no. honestly. <laughs> God, some of those titles were brutal. But, listen. Anyways. I, I came across an interesting point the other day, and I wanted to share mm-hmm. it here. Um, the oral storytelling tradition has been around for so much longer than print or any type of script for that matter um the first script came around like sometime between seven thousand years ago and ten thousand years ago but there's been oral storytelling for as long as there have been like homo Mm. sapiens and even before that so from an evolutionary standpoint you could argue that our brains are much more attuned to intaking information from like uh like an auditory in, in an auditory way than by reading print. And let's not forget that people haven't been overwhelmingly literate for it, the vast majority yes, of human history. Yes, yes. Right? Like, most people in the Middle Ages were illiterate. This is fact. Um, especially the way that history has been um, sent down generations, right? Like, passed along generation to generation. It's always... For so long, being oral traditions, oral storytelling, um, and then like yeah, the development of writing and being able to pass stories along in a written way was way mm. later than that historically speaking. And yeah. then, as you said, for the vast majority of civilization to understand the written word and be able to read it, and you know, literacy being an everyday accessible thing for many of us is even later than that. So it's unbelievably favorable to hear something, retain it, pass it on, uh, and and it's been done for so long. That doesn't mean that that's the way it is now, though. And, you know, it doesn't even necessarily speak on our uh, comprehension in terms of, like, cognitively, you know, what do we actually process better? Right, like, what do we absorb? Yes, mm. what do we absorb better? Um, even just, like, listening from ear to ear, you know, list, left ear versus right ear, there's a lot of different stuff around that and, and brain connectivity. But it's interesting that you point this stuff out because it's true. For so long, this has been normal. 
yeah, that's not to downplay print and the importance of literacy and mm. being able to write and put down Absolutely. ideas because that's what script allowed us to do was to better share and spread ideas. And yeah. you didn't need everyone to be able to write and read to have the ability to share and spread ideas. It's obviously better if everyone is literate and can do that themselves. Mm. But the oral tradition has just been there forever. Yeah. And I think all this audiobook hate that we we talked about in the previous episode in this one I think comes from the romanticization of romantization of romanticization and print <laughs> yeah because we want everyone to be literate and I think part of us part of us sees audiobooks as being like anti-literacy almost because you're not writing you're yeah. not reading you're just listening and I guess people have it it's a bad look. It, it, it's a bad look, but it, it really isn't. It is not. Mm-hmm. And so many of us, like on the other end of the spectrum now, um, as you said, this is our ideal. This is our only choice in some uh, capacity. Or, you know, it, this is the way that we must consume information. So, yeah. There's... Right. And this is, this like, just because we have audiobooks doesn't mean we don't want people to read print and oh of write. course not we're not the right? haters like, this here, is okay? pleasure yo we're pleasure reading yeah here. like this is literally for entertainment for the vast majority mm-hmm. of the time yeah we're appreciating honestly like Gosh. just because you're bringing one thing up it doesn't mean you're knocking the other thing down <laughs> that's right we really need to reach out to those haters from last week but yeah this is a good oh my this god is a good pausing point yeah this was good after the break ted cooper is coming on for rapid fire review I'm Jacob Shamansky here with Rami Amithan. You're listening to AMI Audiobook Review. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. And we love to get audiobooks worms, audiobook worms on the pod. And that, yeah, that did not come out. Anyway, we're uh, also always down to do rfr rapid fire review we've created it we've launched it it is going very popularly so let's bring on ted cooper a um conscious victim of the rfr (laughs) game and uh, first time on audiobook review nice to have you on ted yeah i'm excited to be part of it i'm not looking forward to the sound effect but uh, i was gonna say you're excited minus the sound effect that you just heard and said whoa okay anyway um, before we get into rapid fire review with you and audiobook chat with you, people may know you as the executive producer of Level Playing Field, which is a show on AMI TV. It's in its fourth season. So, any quick highlights or just shout outs? Yeah, no, it, it was a great season to do. Greg Westlake is back as the host of the show. And I think mm. he did a really great job of kind of um, telling stories of Paralympians across Canada, but also grassroots organizations. That's really one of the main tenets of the show is to uh, bring in uh, both aspects, not just high performance, but also the grassroots community aspect of sport and how it uplifts communities. Yep. And the show does an incredible job at that just because of uh, the variety of people who are talking about their stories and telling us their journeys and um you know the the amount of sport that we get to indulge in through the show so nice to talk about that as well and going strong with season four 
Sounds awesome, honestly. Yeah. Before we yeah. get started, let me just give you a quick recap of the rules for Rapid Fire <laughs> Review. Ted yeah. kindly provided to us five of his most recent notable reads, titles, and authors. We're going to go through them one by one. He, Ted, you have 15 seconds to give us a super quick top of mind review for all of them. You're going to hear a very anxiety-inducing ticking sound effect in the back. Sorry about that. No Once we finish getting through <laughs> all five, you get to pick one of them and to give it more. Uh, and you can elaborate on it. You can rant, rave, whatever you want. You have the platform. You all set to go? Yeah, I'm good to go. <laughs> okay. Let's start with your first choice. Lone Wolf, which is an Orphan X novel by Greg Hurwitz. Yeah, this one is my most recent read. I just finished it this morning. It was fantastic. Uh, Greg does a great job of making you really feel the characters. It's kind of like a, a spy type genre, but one of the great... Tell us, <laughs> one of the great what's. One of the great things about the way he tells the stories is you care you care and feel all the emotion of even the sub-characters. That's what oh. I was going to finish. I love how you timed yourself out there. You're like, mm. <laughs> I also like how you kindly provided a, an eight out of ten rating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I and you finished that, it this morning. That is fresh. Yeah, that, that it's it's fresh, and it made me want to read the next one. That was, you know, he I I noticed doing this list that I gravitate gravitate towards series, and I mm. uh, I really looking forward to the next one. The way this one ended. Scott Brick is the narrator who we featured on Know Your Narrator a while back. I think season one of yeah. the show. So mm-hmm. He's fantastic. Cool. He's mm. fantastic. All right. Next one. Sons of Valor 3, War Machine by Brian Andrews and Jeffrey Wilson. Yeah, this is another series, obviously, book three. Uh, I thought it was a really good way to cut capstone this series. So if you like uh, the kind of tier one Navy SEAL type books, this is a great read. Seven out of ten. Okay, you're getting the hang. Yeah. Uh, seven out of ten. Is that a great you... read though? Seven yeah. out of ten. Are we reading in a bell curve? Seven out of ten is a great read. I think anything above oh. seven. I'm. I think I'm hard on my reviews. I wouldn't. Mm. You know, like I gave one of them six out of ten, and that's probably the best book I've done out of that series in a long time. Most of them have been like fours. So, and I keep going, and I'm, I'm not sure why, but we'll talk about that later. That's one of the Tough classics, critic. So. Mm. Yeah. All right. Okay. Book, uh, well, choice number three. I don't want to confuse people with book three and book five and stuff. Okay, so this one is City of Dreams, a novel by Don Winslow. Don Winslow is another author that can make you feel emotion on so many levels, whether it's uh, joy and happiness through the character or sadness. And I think City of Dreams, the second in this series, is a great example of that. Eight out of ten. Don, great job. Mm. This is, did you say second in the series? Yeah, second. And the third one's not even out yet. He's releasing it. He says it's going to be his last book, too, which is an interesting Mm. caveat. Okay. I will say I'm very curious about this one just because I have no idea what it's about. And they're the based city, on your review. Right. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get even get a chance to get into that. It Hey, I don't blame you. You only have fifteen seconds. We're being kind of right cool here. I Pretty almost fine. I went with selling the author rather than the book because the book, I you're think, right. Yeah. The 
there's going to be a movie series. They're just starting it with one of the actors that's in uh, the Dune movies. Anyways. Oh, awesome. Okay, next one. Bad Actors from the Slough House by Mick Herron. Uh, yeah, Bad Actors. The Slough House series, if you're not familiar with it, it's about kind of a misfit band of MI5 spies in Britain. But it's much more of a mystery series. And I think this installment is another great job by Mick Herron. And he killed off his main character to an extent in the last book. I don't know if you want to put that in. But that's a really weird well, thing. Well, it's in now. Yeah. Jeez. Spoiler. Yeah. And also, what? But he's not actually dead. I think he's going to bring him back. But he, he yeah. like, an entire novel with your main character not in it is an interesting tact for an author. Bold. Very oh, it bold. is a risk. Right? <laughs> Definitely. What did we say? This was book. Book eight. Eight. So maybe that's okay, why right, he fine. made the decision. Yeah. He wanted to try to keep it fresh and, yeah. and interesting, which that, I, well, I think he did a enough. good job. Come book eight, I think we've had a lot of time to establish a whole bunch of side Test characters. Your readers. Right. Oh, yeah. right. A, it, they're in season three of a, a television series on Apple, actually, for this uh, book series huh. as well. There's definitely a okay. theme so far. Navy SEALs yes. and spies. and Yeah, that, that was the other thing that came up. Long series? Yeah, okay. yeah and long series. Because I, I, I think one of the reasons that I do that is because I get invested in characters and... I'd rather get invested in characters over a series of books than just one-offs. Yes. And obviously there's yes. one-offs that, that uh, make you want to read them regardless of that fact. But I think uh, when, I, when I get emotionally attached to a character, I want to see how they evolve mm. and how the author has them evolve. This is very sentimental. Yeah. But I can I, I do so that. relate to that, honestly. Yeah. That's why I like with series and long books too, because the process of getting to know a new character is sometimes kind of work. It's not ex it's not as fun as living with the character you already mm. understand very well. Yeah, the rest of us just reread a book over and over again, and or grieve the characters and spend tons of time between books, just being like, my goodness, the world's done. <laughs> so sad. Anyway. We yep. still have another one, yeah? Yeah. Um, this one, is it the final one? It's it is. called... All right. So this is a good one for us. Tom Clancy, Command and Control, a giant novel, book 23 by Mark Cameron. <laughs> yeah, book 23. Crazy. And this is probably the best one. I gave it a 6 out of 10 of the last uh, five or six in this series by this author, Mark Cameron. He's taken over for Tom Clancy, who passed away. And it's worth reading. <laughs> well, taking over Tom Clancy is not easy. How did he do? Uh. There's a multiple people taking over for Clancy because I forget oh. what year he died, but he's been he's been deceased for quite a while, and the his you know uh, trust or whatever who controls his literary rights has shot the his characters basically out to other authors and and uh, produced several books. And this Without. one was also narrated by Scott Briggs, by the way. Yeah. 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 Who, I think Scott is probably my favorite narrator. Does he do a lot of mystery? Like, I mean, obviously in this, these five choices, he's done two out of the five, but. Yeah, he does a lot of general? mystery and spy type stuff. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, the... I mentioned earlier that uh, there's definitely a theme in your selections. I feel like you would have the same taste in books as my dad. 
I'm going to recommend all five of these <laughs> to him. That's funny. <laughs> he loves yeah. that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is this is kind of what got me back into reading again. I do uh, nonfiction. One thing I wanted to throw out for the audience is if I'm looking for a great Alexander the Great book, and if anyone knows a good audio book that's worth getting, I have Audible, so I can I can snag it on there. But I'm looking for something on Alexander the Great, like a real history. Those are my, that's my other interest outside of, of this is hi- history and. Okay. Uh, mm. I can recommend something to you, actually. Yeah. It's not, it's not a book, but it's a podcast series. It's like really well produced to the point where it's basically an audiobook. It's just okay. one guy talking. There's no sound effects or anything. It's by Dan Carlin. I forget the name, but he doesn't have too many out there. But if you just look up Dan Carlin, um, Alexander the Great, he's going to talk about uh, his whole historian he's dan carlin is an awesome historian too really good storyteller mm. so there you go i okay. appreciate that I'm, okay i already yeah. started the search i'm on dan carlin's website so i'm sure i'll be able to find it well there you go <laughs> so of the five Real books time. that you gave us which one of them do you want to elaborate on which one needs yeah, like properly some more elaborate, not another yeah, extra five yeah. seconds mm-hmm. yeah, after the now you have time yeah. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I got to go with one of the eight out of ten. And I had three out of the five that I did. But I, even within that, I would say Lone Wolf and City of Dreams. I'm going to go with Don Winslow because I said the least about the book. Yeah, I was going to say. That would be yeah. my choice. Yeah. Please. And the interesting thing about Don Winslow and, and his, he tends to do three book series and then move on from a character, which is also great. You know, when you get to book 23, it's hard to be a good every every book but if you do three solid novels in a series um i think it's a great way to build character arc and i think it's something that we've come to expect from narrative in north america uh storytelling we expect it from movies almost we expect it in a lot of ways the the trilogy aspect of it um and huh. this City of Dreams was the second second novel in the in the City of Dreams series, which is about uh, a New England mobster named Danny Ryan. He uh, is Irish, and it's 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 mob, but it's it's very low level in the sense that they seem like real people. They're not caricatures of of the Godfather. Mm. driving expensive cars, living in expensive homes and all that kind of thing. It's very much uh, blue collar. Like it's mafia. not glorified. Yeah, it's not glorified. The f- The first novel is so sad. Like, I think I, I genuinely had tears in my eyes more than 10 times during the first novel. Whoa. Yeah. It. It really makes you feel, and that's one thing that I think I mentioned in the review of Don is that he is just really good at making people feel. He's really good at making you care about the characters, and that's the other person who I was, Greg Hurwitz, I was going to mention his novel as well. I think that's one thing that they share in common is making you feel all the emotions, you know, you you feel Mm -hmm. happy for the character, you feel sad for characters. You know, you feel angst when the characters are feeling angst. Mm. The thing is, too, with this topic or like this uh, subject, I guess, can be very iffy 
around that, right? Around feeling for characters and around feeling like you can relate or empathize or right. uh, be compassionate towards. So it's almost a challenge when I watch TV shows or read books, um, you know, around this kind of stuff. In where crime you're stories, like, I right? Don't know. Crime yeah. stories, definitely. Yeah. Where you're ready to be like, well, you you're more likely to be cynical or to just not relate, right? It's an us and them. Yeah. That's exactly it. And I think he does a great job. You end up even caring about some of the characters who I would quote unquote call them the bad guys in, you know, the antagonist sure. to the main yeah. character. But then you get to see them and their lives and like that snippet of real life of how that person is dealing with, the, you know, a very uh, dangerous situation. And you kind of feel for that character, even though at the same time you still have your high hopes for Danny Ryan and being mm. able to get out of this mob war that ends up happening in the first novel. And the first novel ends with it's even the end is sad. The second novel, this one, City of Dreams, is much more has much more up notes uh, <laughs> and has some some really. Um, positive aspects which i think again talks back to the fact that you know you felt that low points with this character danny ryan so to now feel his highs even yeah. makes them feel higher and makes you feel more for the character so you know that's as much as i like novels that uh kind of i don't know for lack of a better term rally around violence i think the emotion and uh the feeling of the characters is what draws me back. Mm. Yeah, the internal. Yeah, exactly. It's important in books to have highs and lows emotionally because if a book is exclusively brutal and depressing, like why would you keep reading that? Yep. And then if a book is only cozy and only happy, it, it seems kind of shallow and unrealistic. So exactly. the, the way I see it is it needs to have a balance. And it's okay if yep. it kind of leans more towards another, but it can't be all good or all bad right yeah which is one thing that i appreciate about this series where it seems like uh they he leaned into the negative in the first book kind of setting up the second book and the second book was very much a little bit more sunny skies and and things like that danny had got away from the mob war and and moved on to california and just you know even the tone and the setting everything kind mm. of became much more bright and filled with the descriptions became of, you know, the sun of the California coast rather than the dreary uh, New England uh, fall. Literally the environment of the setting changed yeah. the mood of the book. Yeah. And it changed with the mood of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it's interesting right. when you think about it, because I don't think I, I necessarily thought that all the way through, but mm. uh, just in, in talking about it, it, uh, came to me. But you said, okay, and do you know how many uh, books are in the series? There will be three. The third one comes okay, out this Okay, it still spring. hasn't come I'm out. really excited for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm very curious, and um, because the, all the other ones you chose were <laughs> longer series, right? Uh, and different, um, I guess when you look back and reflect on having done read a longer series let's say book 23 for example then you have 23 books to reflect back on and especially because you're listening to these books in audiobook format i have to ask about the narrator the issue 
mm-hmm. that we have sometimes with these longer series where narrators change, flip back and forth. I'm not sure if it's done as much anymore because now we're a lot of us are, you know, audible members and paying for audiobooks and we know this is out there this uh issue and production companies do not want want that to, to do happen. it yeah i find no. i do find it in older series you're 100 percent oh, right gosh, so yeah. i do like yeah. hearing that, that that hopefully that doesn't happen as much and mm-hmm. obviously there's some things beyond people's control you know people have issues and they can't are there, read aren't there ways we can deal with it now now there's ai just make it <laughs> yeah, sound we like could do it what, you would rather I, I, that i hope we would still Absolutely. pay the person the same way but i do not want my character that i've heard from scott brick's voice for 20 books to now be a completely different person it is so jarring it Mm-mm. is so jarring mm-hmm. when it happens uh yeah especially when you're invested for you know five plus books and and uh all of a sudden you have a different person doing the inner thoughts of the person it just doesn't even seem like it's the same character it's really off-putting so yeah that was Hmm. one of the things that i found uh now ted you've entered into an interesting conversation here because uh jacob and i have had offline and on-air conversations around this where the influence of the narrator, he says, is not as big as some of us make it out to be. But I think in a longer series, Jacob, could you lean into this idea of, like, my goodness, another narrator for the 20th book? What I will say to to, J- to Jacob's point before he goes is that I find nowadays pretty much all readers, narrators, are really good. Yeah. So that's one thing that kind of yeah, speaks to his point. So if if they're all really good, if someone starts a series, but I do think uh, this is a special situation. No, that's a great point. I think the, the publishing houses now have access to so many good narrators that you almost never come across a particularly bad one anymore. The only times you come across a bad one is in like self-published books and really, really old books. They got recorded yeah. in the 90s. I love how we're just saying good and bad now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> people don't like nuance nowadays. It can't nowadays. be that stark, to be honest. <laughs> that's oversimplified. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. true. But I think it's fair to say that I could handle a mid-series narrator change Stop probably it. more, more uh, easily than you guys. I think you guys take it very seriously, and like having oh, characters have a different voice, like completely ruins it. I don't know. We're all different. It's all, re- it's, it's all valid. It's all valid. I mean, it how... ruins it, but it takes a major adjust- adjustment mentally. Absolutely. So what? And especially... Espe- so what? So yeah, what? you're right. We just so what talk- if you have no, to adjust? No. Yo. You, <laughs> we just talked about the sentimentality of following a character through 18,000 books because we, you know, invested. And a now you're like, not yeah. not a narrator. Sure, but the narrator is the character. You know what I mean? It, it's the vessel. It's the no, voice of the character. I do feel yeah. like that. Just so the voice. I, yeah, Just. which is an important part of the character. You know, absolutely. If, okay, but he's not this just is the, the voice person of bringing the. What's character. your favorite movie series, or 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 television series? Yeah, imagine halfway uh, through Breaking I mean, we've Bad. Had it. What's that? Yes. Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. We'll say Breaking, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Yeah, what happened if they just George Clooney had just been on the season three? He's takes uh, over. Yeah, okay. he takes Cranston. over as Hank. He comes in with a bald head. You're okay listen, with listen. that? No, in that case, no. That's just ridiculous. But it's different in an audiobook. But Hear why? me out. Hear me it's out. Still because... Hank. No, <laughs> no, because in an audiobook, he's the just narrator. A fictional character. Why does it matter? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's the fair. Yeah. It's still written for Hank. That's what you're going to say, right? Things. The words are what matters. Yes, it's still No, Hank. that's not where I'm going. Listen, a narrator <laughs> isn't just voicing one character. He's voicing all the characters and right. the and narration. Mul- and, and they do the characters different, and they have a... Absolutely. A way of doing all the, ki- especially in a book series, they have a way of doing all the characters that regularly appear, and yeah. you get used to that. So it is jarring and not as familiar. You can tell by the way the person's talking who which character they've done. If you're yes. in like book five, yeah. Mm. I'm so picky that you know when in TV series we have um, sometimes younger characters right flashback to younger days and such I'm thinking of Umbrella Academy when yeah. um, they play like the younger Allison and the older Allison and I'm just like but they're not the same yeah. like I need you to CGI this stuff because you have to suspend uh, your disbelief the nuances. there you, yeah. you do yeah, yeah you do you gotta kind of like work with the magic but um, yeah I'm on Ted's side anyway well, I, I just wanted to stir the pot a little respectfully about that. disagree yeah, Sometimes you need to put you in a little bit of work. I I, if, I give more power to Jacob for being able to just move on from it than than me. Oh gosh, I'm way too sentimental to no, just no. move on. Here's, I I have actually dropped entire series because they've changed the name. Really? Narrator. Yes, absolutely. Will Trent. I, I was incredibly enjoying the Will Trent series. Um, I can't even remember. It was so long ago. But a few books in, they changed the narrator, and I said, "Screw this!" And I started doing the ebook. Because that's how frustrated I was. Really? It's not Will. Did you try? I wonder if you could go back now yeah. and if you powered through one book. you Powered probably... through Ted. Yeah. Like no. listening, powering through is what I mean. Because mm-hmm. then I think after a couple books, you then start to believe the person as the characters too. If it takes me a couple books to re-believe, then I'm going to move on. I'm very fickle with this stuff. It sounds like it. Yeah. Anyways, oh, I am Lord. on the one end of the spectrum, though. This is not a an average review, but um, yeah. Okay. This is this is great. And here, here, is there anything else? Yeah. yeah. Here's a thought, though. Earlier, you mentioned Ramya. You mentioned using AI to replace Scott Bricks instead of having another narrator do it. Yep. Would you, Would you actually be comfortable with that? Them using Scott Bricks' AI clone voice to to take over a series and if you do that you would have to clone the voices of his impressions of every yep. character yeah it's almost there the ai is pretty much there yeah. that in the last lone wolf book i just it actually is completely uh, centered around ai and uh deep fakes and voice and things like that so it's oh, interesting it? we're having this conversation yeah. but i think as long as scott gets paid or his estate gets paid then i'm okay with mm-hmm. it yeah, I mean, use his samples, use his impressions, use his inflections. There's like what, let's say, twenty books exactly. from this they series alone. Exactly, they have so much to, for yeah. him to go by. Plenty. Exactly. Yeah, plenty. Yes, and absolutely, hands down, I would choose the AI version of Scott Bricks over sure, another. Sure, but it would be like Walmart brand Scott Bricks, right? Like you, no, it, it would not be as good. Come would on, not. Why? What makes How Scott? How far Bricks, behind do you think AI is right what now? What makes? Scott Bricks a good narrator just his voice no it's all the subtle decisions that he takes like yeah but he's done pacing. it for 20 books we can learn it yeah that, can that's learn? I, I agree with mm. you but I'm I tend to be with Ramya in that the AI is getting to a point where it can replicate that and at at some point maybe we're not there right now but at some point there's a good chance we're gonna be there 
We're not there yet. We're definitely we're not there. there yet. No. We're so close. Right? Maybe have not for listened? the general public we're not there, <laughs> we're but uh, <laughs> yes. they ha- they have they have the technology. They can recreate yeah. emotion and character impressions. Yeah, well, not emotion necessarily, but a portrayal of an emotion based on a sample size. I really do think that we're so much there. And, yeah, like you got to think like a computer, right? You're thinking like a human. And also, um, the the fact that now, (laughs) portrayal of emotion, like this is what it's supposed to sound like, you know what I mean? Sounds thought-provoking. Harsh, harsh, harsh. But um, the other thing is like pickups and such, right? Now we're we're definitely into that realm where uh, you don't need a narrator necessarily to pick up oh, that's so bits and pieces. That's right? easier for the narrator too, right? Exactly, oh. and for the producer and the editor. So if like we're hybrid. already almost there, hybrid. Thank you. Are you think we're going to be able to? Sometimes you can tell. Speaking of jarring, um, when a, a narrator has picked up because their voice and their tone and all that stuff is different, and it just doesn't. It doesn't match the same way. Yeah, yeah it doesn't match. Um, and I think an AI could have done a better job. I've seriously been thinking that lately when I hear these pickups in audiobooks. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I bet it could do a better job matching. Of course it could. Uh, yeah. You guys are optimistic. We're harsh, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. we have to wrap there, yeah? I'm yeah, good. I think so. <laughs> we, we, we might have went off the rails once or twice, silence. but that's what... That's what a, a good uh, show does. It doesn't stay too close yeah. to. Yeah, I'm glad we got here. I'm, I haven't even had coffee today. Yo, this it, has been fun. In an upcoming episode, we're going to be listening to some clips from AI narration, comparing it to real ones. Because uh, this is uh, this is the natural continuation of this show. I feel like this is going to be talking about every second of episode course. now. Get Scott Bricks on, and then get the AI version of him on, and we'll do a comparison. <laughs> what do you mean, the AI version of him? <laughs> We gotta get we gotta Come get on. the good AI though. Eleven labs. Like, yeah, exactly. The... Get the Me. good ones. Oh my god. Yeah, not just the one Jacob thinks that are. Yeah, are no. Do you, have you? Around. Did you guys see some of the video that's going around from and Rami? I'm, I, I'm sorry, but there's the deep fake prompt by ChatGPT or OpenAI. Their their new video, Sonora, their no. video generation. It is unreal what the video and there's flaws in it don't get me wrong sure but what they're releasing right now is already dangerous for jobs and for uh people believing what they see yep and for rights issues and recreation and arts like it just goes on yeah they have a video of uh of los angeles uh during the old west times and a drone going down like a river in los angeles (laughs) and it looks like it's real no way of course it does yeah ted this has been so good thank you so much anytime guys i appreciate it thank you ted cooper joining us on ami audio book review if we get him back, then you know this kind of stuff is going to come up again. Uh, that's it for us. Next week, we're back with Teresa and Karen from the Center for Equitable Library Access, and we're going to talk about the merits of book awards. They're everywhere, and there's a lot of different uh, types of book awards out there, but are they even useful anymore? That's what we'll talk about. Also, Sarah Hillis is going to be back. Are we talking about AI again with her? We sure are. <laughs> 
I wasn't lying. Exactly. Cool. Uh, call us one eight six six five zero nine four five four five with your feedback, with your questions, with your recommendations and reviews. Also, we love getting guests and community members on the show. Feedback at ami.ca is how you can write to us. And that's it. Jacob Shamansky, Ramia Amalin, Nasreen Abdel Najid. We'll be back next week for another episode. And until then, happy audiobook listening. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.